Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here. Hot Mike with Hutton with Roe. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. Trey Wallace from Outkick.com will join us coming up in 20 minutes. Much to discuss, including the ACC, who reportedly is going to hold a, another vote to see about Stanford and Cal and maybe even SMU this go-around joining the conference. They were one vote short last time, but SMU wasn't a part of it. No. The reports are the financial demands have changed, where these teams are maybe willing to take less or nothing for a couple of years. Report what Stanford was, yeah. And now, suddenly, okay, we'll get back to the negotiating table. That tells me, Hutton, they have the votes. Someone, NC State, North Carolina, well, they're Clemson, voting together. Or Florida State. NC State and North Carolina are voting together, so that maybe might be Maybe they switched, or maybe Clemson or Florida State has decided that they're uh, now worthy of an ACC invite. It would give the conference 17 football-only schools in the conference, with Notre Dame being a partnership, and then they'd have 18 in every other sport if they added those three. I also think Florida State would only flip their vote if SMU is going to pay them. Hey, yeah. give, give us our fair share like the ACC needs to do. Then we'll vote yes. Not just a play for free. It's, uh, hey, uh, pay us. Yes. Pay for play. <laughs> pay for survival and relevance. I have your name mentioned. Uh, also coming up, uh, Jack Swarbrick's comments on Stanford and, and, the, and Cal and the importance of them being in the ACC, which he's pointing to things off the field. That's and, and a deep dive coming up. I will say, Jack Swarbrick and his claim that we'll talk about, it's exactly what fans of all of these schools will claim. Right. Right? So we'll, we'll, it's, he's not alone. He's not. We're going to criticize him a little bit at where he's coming from, but he's not alone here. This is not some lone decision, you know, lone uh, criticism of what's going on from people. There's a lot of people who feel this way. We'll discuss. Chad, uh, Otani is on the mound today for the first time since, I believe, August 9th. He's pitching. Um, it's been a while. And it's also been a while since we were discussing the Angels as a playoff team that was all in trying to win in the attempt that they're wanting to keep Otani, who discussed winning be of, uh, being of the utmost importance when it comes to where he's deciding to, to play ball in the future, said all these things during the All-Star break. The Angels end up not shipping him at the trade deadline. And here are the Angels with Otani, but with nothing to show for it based on what they acquired in the purchase, not the sell. Yeah, let's, let's review. So all this takes place. No one really believes that Otani's going to re-sign with the Angels. And Angels ownership decides, you know what? We're going to roll the dice. We're going to take our chances. We are not going to be sellers. We're going to be buyers. We're going to trade for Lucas Giolito and others. We're going to go for it. We're a game and a half, two games out of the wild card right now. We've got two of the most transcendent baseball players of their generation on our roster, one of which might be the greatest baseball player of all time in Shohei Otani. 
and it will show that when his career is over with what he does as a pitcher and a hitter. Mike Trout's going to come back. Let's go for it all right now. And when they made that decision, I said, I honor the fact that they're at least trying, and they can say they gave it the old college try. But if this fails, the Angels are one of the most disappointing stories in the history of sport, not just baseball. Not just American sports, all of sport globally. This is one of the biggest failures you will ever see to have Otani and Trout in their prime and to not go to the playoffs one time. The playoffs, as Jim Morris Sr. once said. Not a World Series, the playoffs. Can't get to the playoffs. At the trade deadline, they make this decision. They're going for it. Since the trade deadline, after last night's 4-3 Four to three loss to the Cincinnati Reds. The Angels are five and fourteen and find themselves ten games out of the final playoff spot, which I want to applaud the Angels for doing this. They went for it and they lost. Like they've lost ever since they've had two of the greatest players of their generation. They will not be in the playoffs. Not gonna happen this year. Otani is going to sign somewhere else that will win with him. Mike Trout, great player. No one watches Mike Trout. Why? Because he's an angel. And no one will continue to watch Mike Trout in the playoffs. Why? Because once again, they're not going to be in the playoffs. This is a failure of epic proportions. They went for it. That's not going to work out. And when you do that in sports, you open yourself to criticism, especially when they don't re-sign Otani, which is all but a fact at this point. That's going to happen. This is one of the most epic failures, not just trade deadline on in the 5-14 and 14 record, but Hutton, what they have failed to accomplish oh, it's, with having these two guys is that's, awful. That is really the malpractice here. Uh, I don't blame them for going all in with Otani, though, at the deadline uh, because... I they mean, were right there. If you want to lose, you trade them. I mean, that you could continue doing what you had been doing even with those two, uh, they were three games, I believe, out of the final wildcard spot at the deadline on August 1st. And then within a three-week period, they're 10 games out. Yeah, the eve of the, pl- of the trade deadline, they beat the Braves in Atlanta 4-1. to one. They were 56-51. and 51. They were a game and a half out of the final wildcard spot. They were right there. They then lost their next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games. Oh. Starting August 1st, on the trade deadline day, starting August 1st, they went on a seven-game losing streak. It's as if they're trying to make their ownership look like failures. (laughs) Right? They tease them. How dare you back us at the deadline? They tease them with a thrilling (laughs) 10-inning win against Toronto, and then they go to Atlanta and win game one against the best team in baseball on the road of their series. Yeah. And ownership decides we're we're keeping Otani. We're going for it. And they honor that going for it by losing seven straight games from that point forward. And they're out of the playoff chase. Chad, uh, so the, the Angels will certainly be remembered, uh, right, uh, for going for it, but swinging and missing, having this collapse, but also not winning with Trout and Otani. Meanwhile, the Baltimore Orioles are not going to be remembered. Best team in ball, but it doesn't matter. It does not matter because John Angelos – is the controlling owner of game day, uh, day-to-day operations of the organization who cannot let his team simply win now. They have been the team that has sold 
the star power of Machado and others over recent years. And in return, they're getting star power in the minors that are finally delivering on a major level with a young roster. And already, Angelos is saying, hey, uh, yeah, unless we raise prices considerably, day-to-day um, -day prices, we're not going to be able to keep these uh, young players for the future. We're going to have to sell. We're not going to be able to buy in. We're not going to pay to extend on these contracts like you would see, you know, the Atlanta Braves do, who many have said Atlanta and Baltimore for the World Series. Even Michael McHenry is saying this. That's his prediction. No, I'm not going that way. Because while the team sucked, it was on the Angelos family for shipping out the star power that allowed them to win, that allowed fans to buy in. And now that they're winning, Angelos can't keep his mouth shut until the offseason and allow the youth to take over and realize what they don't know, which is ownership sucks and our future isn't here, even when we're winning at a clip that we haven't seen, even when the O's have the attention again, even when it's not even about the roster, but about the announcer for simply stating through a graphic facts that the team is better this year against the Tampa Bay Rays than what we have seen over the last 15 series against the Rays organization. You were a disaster against the Rays. And it was a positive stat that apparently didn't come across that way at the ownership's table. And now they're saying, oh, we had no idea exactly that, that why Kevin Brown was suspended in terms of that reason when for weeks... We went through a process of either not knowing where he wasn't on the air or through a week straight of chance at the ballpark saying free Kevin Brown. The guys even tweeted out that he stands with the organization and we still don't know the exact details of this quote-unquote suspension that they're trying to shove under the rug. What Angelos has done, Chad, is shove his team under the rug before we even get to postseason play. We asked this to Kirk Schilling yesterday when he joined us here on Hot Mike. I agree with you that the Orioles are legit. The problem is I don't think they're like the Braves. They're not going to win it because their owner won't shut the Absolutely. hell up and allow them to just go win instead of talking well, about I, the future. And it, it yep, just get your get your guy with his finger on the bleeper. The 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 Angelos comment the other day about we can't win unless we raise prices massively is complete. Yeah, and it's a huge distraction. And it, yep. that, that is why the, the owner will be the reason that they Absolutely. don't get it done, not the young stars. The ownership is the reason they suck for two decades, and the ownership is going to be the reason they don't have a consistently winning team going forward if they don't spend. Angelo, that was Kurt Schilling, host of the Kurt Schilling Baseball well Show. Well said by Kurt. Chad, Angelo has said that he it regrets that the Kevin Brown situation became such a distraction. Brown didn't come to this, uh, become a distraction. Angelos is the distraction for his own ball club that doesn't have any. There's no relevant, relevance to a distraction currently other than the distraction of they're the opponent for the opposing dugout worried about getting their asses kicked on a day-to-day -day basis. Instead, the current owner of the best team is looking down upon the young talent, cheap payroll talent currently, saying, you know what, well, I'm going to go ahead and let everyone know I'm not going to pay for the future, even though the future 
is about, at least I would hope so, winning. It's not. It's a losing organization because of loser ownership. And that's just the facts. Kevin Brown can't say it because he gets suspended, but that's also just stating the facts. John Angelo sucks. He does. And uh, I, when, when he says things like, when you, you, I'm going to have to raise the ticket prices to a certain level to pay these guys. And, well, I don't know if uh, these Orioles fans are going to pay those prices to come see this team, even if they're good. I, I don't think they're going to do that. We're not going to have, you know, the, they're not going to want to see the, the ticket increase of what it's going to cost to try to keep those guys to break even. And people just don't know how difficult we have it. I hear bitching and moaning like that. And I hear a guy who thinks that the grass is greener in another town and that wants to move somewhere else. And this kind of ties back to the White Sox story earlier. While there's a lot of history with the White Sox in Chicago, and I am a traditionalist and I'm a fan of history, I also think we can't ask the question, does Chicago really need two Major League Baseball teams right now? But I look at the Orioles' history of Baltimore, that's very important to the city of Baltimore. And they don't have two baseball teams. And it would be a real blow to the city if the Orioles left. But if we continue to play sort of this game of civic chicken with every town, and what Angelos is saying, look real deep into what he's saying. I'm going to have to raise ticket prices to a level that our fans won't spend to go to games, even if this team is as good as they are right now. They're not going to spend it, and I can't make the the bank account break even if we pay everyone what they're going to demand on the open market. That sounds like a guy who wants to move the team to some market where he thinks he can charge for tickets to that level. They can sell out of suites and everything else and get people excited. But if you constantly play this game of civic chicken with the city you're in, eventually run out of cities that are viable economically to move to. You know, there's only one Nashville right now that every single team is rumored to be looking at as a possible landing spot. There's not a lot of other places out there that's going to be economically viable for what you're trying to do. So if Baltimore doesn't work for you, there's not a lot of other options that would work for the Orioles. And I think that game gets a little tired. But you're right about this, Hutton. Self-inflicted wounds by Angelos as an owner for an Orioles team that the story should be all about what they've accomplished yeah, this season. I mean, so the Braves have, what, 81 wins? I think as of last night, Orioles 81. Orioles have 77. Yeah. 77 wins. And that's just a, their win total is more than their entire payroll this year. They have a $70 million payroll. That's 28th out of the 30 clubs. That is a due in large part to, that's the, awesome. to the service time of the young roster, right? But so that's already, uh, for a, a cheap owner, this is perfect. Allow them to win and then sell even higher instead of pointing out the fact that, you know what, this is cheap payroll and it's going to continue to be because we're going to sell these players instead of paying them whenever it comes time to actually pony up and sign a paycheck. Uh, yeah, it, it's bizarre. It, it's also, he's pointing to the financials of baseball, not just the Orioles, but, you know, the the TV deals, streaming packages, all these other things. But, I mean, Angelos is also controlling Masson, which is you know, Kevin Brown's employer for 150 games. Definitely pulling the strings there. No doubt. The Kevin Brown suspension. So, you know, you've got all these popular Orioles of, you know, the folklore. You know, you've got... Uh, Jim Palmer and uh, Cal Ripken and so many others. Um, you can't dare state a fact anymore. And you can't dare be a lifer 
as a fan of one of these guys currently because the owner is telling us as a fan of the Orioles, hey, uh, yeah, don't buy the jersey because he's going to be playing in a different one soon because I'm not going to pay him. Yeah, so you can watch jersey. him at Camden Yards. Orioles, you nailed it, Hutton. 77 wins. Braves, 81. Two highest payrolls in the AL East. The Boston Red Sox, 66 and 60, and the New York Yankees, 60 and 65. Second to last and last within the division. Orioles, Rays at the top of the division. Man. Not bad for those payrolls for both those teams. And it, just, even, if, even if Angelos feels this way, just shut up. Just wait. Allow everyone to have a good time for one season before realizing that, you know, Rushman is just the next Machado. You almost wish that he would just go away to a vacation house somewhere and just watch these games on I mean, TV at night and then not be allowed to say anything during the good times. After and just battling enjoy over who's controlling day-to-day operations with his brother. I mean, just sit back and be a fan of a cheap team that's winning at a very high rate. It's a mess. Yeah. Also, college football, some would say, is a mess. The ACC, maybe. Trey Wallace joins us next. We'll discuss. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Primary complaint coming up in 20 minutes. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow with you across the Outkick Network, getting you to 6 o'clock Eastern through your workday. Trey Wallace is helping us do just that, covering all things college football for Outkick.com. Trey, good to see you, man. Yeah, guys, always a pleasure to join, even if it's a little bit earlier in the week because we've got a big week of uh, college football ahead. It's never too early to talk college football with you, Trey. That's the way I view it every single week. We We could open a Monday show talking to you with co- about college football, and it would be appropriate. It's never too early. Trey, I look crazy season, so I look forward to any day of the week. Appreciate the – no doubt. Appreciate the, uh, the the flexibility today with Clay traveling. Um, so, I, we, we brought you up earlier because you've seen Swamp Kings. We have not. And I'm basing it solely off of your review. I mentioned you. I mentioned Chad for, like, a movie recommendation. I don't want to watch something that's called Untold if it is a – you know, a flex for 
what is Florida Gators football and instead of what the title is telling me about, were you disappointed when you watched this? I, I know you were able to see it prior to the debut yesterday. You know, I, so I, I watched the first two episodes and I was like, okay, you know, this is, this is interesting. And, and what caught my eye was, and I'm, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil it for folks. I'm trying not to spoil it for folks, but sure. what caught my eye was the behind the scenes footage that they got because instantly I knew that, okay, that footage was shot by Florida. There, there wasn't a documentary crew back in 06 or 07 doing this. That was, you know, Florida's inside videographers with the athletic department and the football team. I was like, well, that's interesting. Like they got a hold of that footage. Like I'm, I'm very now intrigued about how they got a hold of that. So that's what's in the first two episodes. I was like, okay, this is neat. This is cool. Like I see where it's going with Tebow and Urban. Like, okay, it's going in that direction of where it turns into a promotional piece, but let's see what three and four bring. And after episode three, I was, I was almost, I was kind of livid to be honest with you. I was kind of mad. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, I, you know, I, I'm expecting something here. And, and it's also the way Netflix promoted this documentary. I think that when you when you look at the trailer that was put out there and, you know, they have the scene in the trailer with the police sirens mm-hmm. and, you know, talking about the past and whatnot, you're thinking, okay, they're going to at least spend a whole episode on this. Like, they're going to spend 45 minutes to an hour on this part because there was so much crazy stuff that happened in Gainesville. And, and I, I didn't think this was – when Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow signed up for this, and and Tim's getting paid to be a part of this. I thought to myself, this is not going to be some kind of hit piece. But let's see if they go down the direction, you know, of at least uncovering some of the stuff that went down. And when I got done with it, all four episodes, and I had written down notes while I was watching it, because I went back and I watched it three times. I watched all four episodes three different times. I was, I was trying to look to see if I missed something. They They... They spoke about Aaron Hernandez for 30 seconds, 30 seconds for the entire documentary of Swamp Kings. And I thought to myself, that makes zero sense. Why, why are you doing that? And I, and I know, you know, the director told me, I spoke with the director about this. You can go check out the article if you want at outkick.com or find it on my social feed. Director told me, well, a lot of the players, you know, they didn't feel comfortable talking about that. They didn't want to go down that road. Uh, with Aaron Hernandez. Okay, that's fine. If the players don't want to, you can. Have a narrator talk about it, have somebody else. And I'm not just talking about Hernandez. I'm talking about all of the other incidents that I know that happened, that Florida beat reporters know that happened, that national columnists know that happened at Florida. That's where I was turned off because really, you know, to me, it turned into, and I hate, I really hate using the word puff piece. So, I use promotional video because I, I know what happened during Florida's time. I, I know about the trials and tribulations of Urban Meyer. I know about the losses. You know, I know about Tim Tebow making his speech after the Ole Miss game that, you know, I promise I'll never let this happen again, blah, blah, blah. Like, those were cool moments, but that's not anything new. Like, what are you doing? So when I watched the, the documentary, I was like, what is something that I didn't know and that I learned from this documentary, I, I did. The only thing that I learned from this documentary 
was that they were running, you know, the mat drills where you're going to see it in there. It's not giving anything away. It's in the trailer where they're literally wrestling with each other on these mats in the student rec center, trying to figure out who's tough enough to stick around the program. So I just, I just feel like overall, and even, I'm not going to spoil the way they ended it, but the way they, even the way they ended it agitated me. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like you didn't even discuss the last season. So it's just a lot of it was a letdown when I was hoping that it would be something that was informative to me, maybe something that I didn't know as a reporter in my early days covering Florida football. And it just wasn't, it was, it was, it was just, it, it, it was, it was one of those things where I threw my hands up and, you know, when I, when I interviewed the director, I point blank asked the director, Catherine English, why, what was the decision on not going after some of the stuff in the background that we know about some of the details, not, not, not just Aaron Hernandez, but others as well. And her re response to me was, well, we dug into every detail but we wanted everything to center around just that time at Florida. So from what, 05 to 010. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But there were so many different things that happened during that time that you didn't hit on. And it got to a point where, you know, I wrote, and I'm sorry to go along with here, but I wrote an article on Friday and I wasn't trying to spoil anything for anybody. It was just a review of what I thought. I'm getting messages from the Netflix PR team like, well, I wish you would have told us you didn't like it. I was like, well, that, that's not my job to tell you if I didn't like it or not. It wasn't that I didn't like it. It was like the point that y'all left stuff out and you decided not to go down that road for a reason. I'd love to know why. So, you know, Jonathan, the behind the scenes stuff was very cool. It was stuff I've never seen before. Netflix licensed that footage from the University of Florida. So right then, what does that put in your head? Netflix is getting the footage. They miraculously found 650 tapes seven months into this production. In my mind, that says, maybe that's a skeptic or a journalist to me, well, Florida had to have some kind of editorial control if they were giving up 650 tapes. So it was just interesting. I, I don't know, you know, sorry yeah, for the long- No, it's, it, it, should, it should not be part of the Untold series. Uh, if it's going to be that. that, that's the biggest disappointment to me is everything your review and everything I've heard about it. We're just coming off a Johnny football documentary where the biggest complaint about it was it went too hard and that it went too hard into the hard living of Johnny Manziel and had no solutions and left it with him, uh, you know, doing beer bongs with his buddies in Scottsdale and that it took it too lightly. And I'm, I'm thinking, okay, well, that's one thing, but it was entertaining to watch, and now right. we're going off that to uh, you know Tim Tebow and Urban Meyer being allowed to be the sole narrators of what was going on at Florida during a wildly successful but yet off-field tumultuous time of, in Gainesville for the Florida team. So that the whole thing is disappointing. Uh, not to get well, back mean, into it, Trey. Well, Chad, I mean, even the like I loved hearing from Brandon Spikes. I loved hearing from Brandon Siler, players that were involved in Ahmad Black, you know Dallas Baker, those. Those players, I, I enjoyed hearing their take, but I could have heard their take on just an interview on on Hot Mike on a Thursday afternoon if they wanted to come on. You know what I mean? Like it, you put so much into a documentary, I was just surprised on the things that they either glossed over uh, or decided not to hit on. And when I come back to it, all I can think of is they got these players to be involved. And, and even director Catherine Ingo said, 
We wanted to build the trust of the players. We told them that we wouldn't hit on certain things and we didn't. Well, you damn well didn't when we watched the documentary. So they lived up to the truth and she didn't lie to the players. They did not make this any kind of hit piece, which it shouldn't have been. But also, they didn't dig enough into the details of what went on. It's not a documentary if you don't. So what's going on with the ACC? Do they have the votes now, Trey, that they're going back to the table and discussing this while adding SMU as a piece to the Cal-Stanford part that was already proposed? Yeah, Chad, this is an interesting dynamic that's going on in the ACC right now. Uh, As I reported yesterday and wrote about, you know, this was a, a ticking clock. That was going on right now. You have lobbying uh, that's being done by a, a former president or Condoleezza Rice or whatnot, but you have the lobbying going on from SMU, Stanford, and Cal. SMU is willing to give up, you know, media revenue for the first five to seven years of a contract with the uh, the ACC. Stanford, along those lines, they were willing. They are willing to come in at a discounted rate. So what's going on right now is you have ACC presidents trying to figure out what to do with that additional money, who that's going to go to, a.k.a. Florida State, Clemson, people that have been complaining um, and and, and threatening to leave the ACC, maybe not Clemson, but Florida State, a lot of it. So now it's all about the look. Is, is, Is this serious? Yes, it's serious. It's been serious. It's not like this died down last week when they didn't have the vote. I, I, they're one vote away. Like the, these presidents, they lobby for a living. You know what? And the fact that if you're if you're one vote away from getting two new members or three new members into the conference, you continue pushing, and that's what they did. That's why I wrote about it yesterday. Like this, this never stopped. They continue to go after it. So looking at it right now, I think the timeline is from from today. From you know, it's four thirty two Eastern time right now probably all the way to this time next week, right before week one of the college football season, Stanford and Cal would love to have this done uh, and wrapped up. And so would SMU. And and so if they can figure out the financials to make it beneficial to Florida state and some of these other teams and make them happy and splitting up the revenue that those three teams would not take during the first number of years of the contract, I think you will see all three uh, in the ACC starting in 2024. And, and the biggest outlier here, guys, out of this whole situation is Washington State and Oregon State are the ones sitting back, probably hoping that this deal with the ACC falls through. So then they would be able to either maybe go with Stanford and Cal if they joined the Mountain West if it fell through, or even Stanford along the lines of them going independent. So maybe Oregon State would join up with the other two. So, you know, there's there's a waiting game going on between the two outliers while Stanford and Cal are trying their hardest to get into the ACC and have some kind of financial stability, you know, over the next 10 to 20 years. So this this thing is not stopping. It's going to keep going. And, and you know what? I think they're going to lobby until they get that final yes vote that's needed. Trey, uh Always great. It's great to have college football back this weekend, and we get to see the Irish on the field against Navy in Dublin. I'll be watching that first and foremost. Is there another matchup that's of interest to you? I mean, I'm obviously going to say Hawaii Vanderbilt just because of, you know, Clark Lee and what I've seen him do. Um, I think we all remember last year's Hawaii Vanderbilt game when they played it and what it looked like a high school stadium. 
uh, in week zero in, in, in Hawaii. Uh, I think that's an interesting matchup. It, it's at night, 730. You know, that Notre Dame-Navy game is – look, Notre Dame-Navy is going to be fun to watch because you just never know what Navy is going to do. Like, I expect Sam Hartman to go out there and throw for, you know, 350 yards against Navy, but – these service academies always put up a fight and, and you play this game overseas and, you know, give it a nice time slot of, I think it's two o'clock in the afternoon. It sets up an, an interesting game. And let's see what Marcus Freeman has in year two of this system where he, you know, Notre Dame's expected to be fighting, you know, for a college football playoff spot. Can they do it? This is going to set the tone. And, you know, obviously at night, if you've got the Pac-12 network at eight o'clock at night, Tune in and watch Caleb Williams, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. He's going to play San Jose State. It's not going to be a good game probably after the first quarter, but at least you get to look at what Lincoln Riley's offense is going to look like this year and how Caleb Williams is coming back, you know, in, in 2023. So, but the key to that is you got to find the Pac-12 <laughs> network. If you don't have the Pac-12 network, I would suggest maybe trying to find a stream online. I'm just going to throw that out there. So. I am interested in the weekend and um, I'm definitely interested in what happens on West End and uh, and definitely what happens in Dublin, Ireland. Final 30 seconds. Easier to find the Pac-12 network or the Pac-12 commissioner right now? Oh, goodness gracious. That Pac-12 commissioner is probably on some, I, I can't even say the word that I wanted to say. Uh, yes, I would probably say the Pac-12 network <laughs> because I have a lot of great friends in the industry that will send me links to be able to watch. So I'll go there with you that. Go. I pass those on to us, too. Game, I think, available on Crackle. You can find it as well, <laughs> yeah. if that's still around. Crackle 2, Crackle yes. Plus. <laughs> crackle that's Plus, great. I think is how they pronounce it. Trey, great stuff, man. We'll catch up soon. Guys, have a great week. Appreciate you having me. Trey Wallace, Outkick.com, for the very latest as college football kicks off. Got some more thoughts on the ACC vote and look at it from the, the, mere, the reflection of what Stanford and Cal are telling us based on what's reported to be their stance and why all of a sudden the ACC is going back to a vote. I'm curious what it says about how they view making a decision immediately versus just waiting to see what happens with Florida State and Clemson. Plus not, primary I'm, complaint. I'm curious about your primary complaint. Oh, I'm ready to go. That's what I'm curious about. That's next here on Hot Mike. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. There's a surprising backup quarterback that was named today in the NFL. That's coming up in about 20 minutes. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Primary complaint just around the corner as well in a matter of minutes. Chad, hear me out on this. So aside from Stanford reportedly telling the ACC, and they've reportedly told this to the other, they've informed the Pac-4 of this. Hey, we're gonna, we, we've told the ACC we, would, we want to be a part of the conference and we're not going to take any of the media rights money, right? Because that's the big 
that's the big issue for Florida State and Clemson. Like, why would we continue to divvy this up if there's no added value for more money coming to us, right? And the us meaning the entire conference, not just them. We are um, special. You are not. We deserve more money, not less. We're not going to give our share to anyone else. Yeah, we're not going to split it. Unless they're going to make us more know, money. Uh, you know, Oregon is taking a cut based on what the revenue share would be for the Big Ten, but they're still getting paid. You know, they're getting what, reports of like 50 or 60% is what was reported when they uh, joined along with Washington. Doesn't this also say a couple of things? Number one, the, the media rights contract through ESPN, what, $36, $37 million annually for ACC teams. I wonder if this is also under the idea that we're going to see a new structure and payout for the college football playoff whenever they reconvene at the commissioner's meetings this week and then again in September. Uh, because right now, the Autonomous Five, every conference in the Power Five gets $80 million guaranteed based on the college football playoff with four teams. That's moving up. And it's, I mean, if you're going to distribute this and it stays the same, it's going to be a Power Four that's distributed. So that would be $100 million. Uh, instead of 80 times five, you have the 100 times four and you get the same price. And then if you expand it to 16, there's more money involved there too because more money would be coming in to entice that jump. I think it's that, but it's also, isn't it Stanford also saying we're not going to take, we're not going to put up a, a fight here because number one, we need a landing spot now, but also the landing spot in the ACC is pretty good and we wouldn't just repeat what we just went through doesn't it also say the ACC is stable? With Stanford and Cal willing to do it? Cal's like paired up with Stanford here. Notre Dame's going to bat. Yeah. And to me, it's like, okay, that's Stanford realizing that Notre Dame is sticking there. They're staying independent, and they've already well, referenced st us stable, and we can pair with them. Yeah, stable compared to what? Stable compared to joining compared, the Mountain West? No, no, yes. No, compared to just going independent. And, and until you're not, yeah, like, I mean, look, not it, going again, Mountain West, just it's stable, not doing anything. It's stable compared to Independence, Mountain West, trying to keep the remaining four Pac-12 teams and do something different and form a new Pac-12. Joining the ACC at a reduced rate or no rate, and for the short term, I mean, you can't do it forever, obviously, but for the short term, I think is more stable than those situations. It's it's the best of a bad option. I mean, I just don't think that's, this is a great option for Stanford or Cal either, but it's the best of a bad option. No one's going to claim that Stanford or Cal won anything by having everyone bolt for better conferences, them left out hanging in the wind, and then all of a sudden they have to go freebie to the ACC for a well, year Cal, or two. But Cal's athletic department is in debt, and the reports are, you know, their $25 million at the floor wasn't good enough for any of these teams with Apple, but yet they're not going to take anything for the ACC again, there's what is Swarbrick saying and it's doing? Also, and the lobbyists with, uh, with Condoleezza Rice with Stanford, of course, what we're seeing from Laura Bush on behalf of SMU. Well, the 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 ACC also their whole deal with ESPN kind of strikes me as the Lakers deal with Magic Johnson when they got him for 25 years for 25 million, and that was Dr. Jerry Bussey in the future and saying this is going to be peanuts in mm -hmm. the future. Yeah. This is an, an insane amount of money right now. But 20 years from now, 15 years from now, these contracts are going to go through the roof. And this is actually a bargain, what I'm doing with Magic Johnson. But it looked crazy. I think the length of that contract with ESPN is kind of the same thing. 
and the whole grain of right situation for the ACC. Man, this is long-term stability. This is great. We got to sign this. We've secured our future. And then as years go on, Florida State's all of a sudden not happy. Clemson's not happy. We're pulling our weight over here. The rest of you aren't. You've got uh, the big four now, which I don't know that NC State belongs in that, but whatever, they're attached to North Carolina. You know, UNC, NC State, Florida State, Clemson, they vote together. You've got this voting block of teams that, that voted out Cal and Stanford. Now they're coming back to the table because they might get them for free. Again, you know, stable, yes, compared to other options that are bad, but compared to Big 12, SEC, Big 10, I mean, it is SEC, Big 10, then Big 12, a jump down, then ACC, and then everything else is really tenuous. All the group of five conferences are tenuous. The, the ones that were left behind, tenuous. I would argue Notre Dame and their situation is, may not always be as strong as it is right now being independent. They, they may have to choose a side at some point in all this as well. But Notre Dame has chosen the side currently of Stanford. And Cal's a part of it. But, but that, and, and right now, if you're not a part of anything, you're a part of nothing. I get it. But you want someone to say your name. You know, you need to be Heisenberg, right? And the ACC isn't saying Stanford as much as Notre Dame has been saying it publicly. And we'll get into Swarbrick's comments coming up a bit later in the show. Chad, right now, it's time to air our top grievance of the week with primary complaint. It's time to air our top grievance of the week. You can complain all you want. My job is so unfulfilling. Don't run away from your feelings. It's time for Hot Mike's primary complaint. Guys, my primary complaints this week. um, I want the option to be able to find any Bluetooth device that I can't find when I'm searching for it. Namely, like earbuds, uh, off-brand headphones that I love, Raycon. Uh, I want that more than I want the, the Apple product. I want an app. Maybe it exists. I haven't been able to find it. I want an app that will hook up to Bluetooth, no different than my iPhone, walking into any Bluetooth device that I want to play music on. Uh, regardless if it's Apple or not, and I can connect to it and play music. I want a, a, an app. I want someone to send me this that allows me to hook up any device I want to through Bluetooth that will do something to allow me on a map to tell me where that thing is. I hate the fact that I can find my iPhone, but I can't necessarily find every single Apple product, and I know I can't find an off-brand product through Find My iPhone. That's my primary complaint. Did you say Raycon is the name Raycon. of the, the... yeah. You want to see it? Yeah, I want to see these. I remember Raycom, the oh, network. yeah. Remember they carried the we're, Copper we're Bowl? We're not finding that. I, I don't know why this always strikes strikes me, but during the holiday season, they carried the Copper Bowl from Tucson, Arizona so on tiny. Raycom. So tiny. Did you get that at Radio Shack? Raycon. Uh, uh, I did not. I don't even remember where I got these, but I mean, I love these things, and... Yeah, if you lose one of these, there's no, you're not finding this even in the crevice Those of your couch. Those are the couch. cleanest ear devices I've ever seen in my life. As Hutton breaks that out, you, you, Hutton yeah. looks like he could perform perform surgery on one of us with those things. It's so <laughs> sterile and clean. I mean, every ear device I have, like I wear it once, and it's got like uh, uh, matter 
in it. And it's Matter. dusty and it's got earwax after a while. Hutton's, Matter. It's like you'd perform surgery with it. I'll tell you one place that I won't be performing surgery anytime soon, and that is at a local Chipotle. Um, and here's why. The people there are very angry. And I don't know what I did uh. to them by just simply stepping into their restaurant, saying hello, <laughs> and trying to order what I want in my chicken or pork bowl or whatever it is I'm getting at that time. But the people at Chipotle are getting angrier and angrier every single time. I enjoy my food less when you serve me the food with such an attitude and like you're so pissed off to be serving anyone in line. I mean, this takes like lunch lady land, the cafeteria, the sloppy joes, the next level. You're looking for a hair. When you're at a place like Chipotle, well, it's not even that. It's just the, the manner in which they sling food into the bowl. And I'm only complaining about this because it's <laughs> happened the last three times I've been there. I you're mean, a duck? White or brown? Brown. <laughs> and I mean, they are taking it's like a sport to them to sling the rice as hard and angry as possible, and it goes over the other food items yeah. there. Uh, I would like the corn salsa and the mild salsa. And they are picking this thing up, and they are splattering it down on the bowl. It's flying everywhere. They're giving me about half the meat they once gave me. you got to order double meat now to get the amount of meat that you want. And then when you go for guacamole because you're paying extra for it, let's just take half the whole container of guacamole and drown my bowl in the guacamole <laughs> just to really go ahead and put the cherry on top of this angry Sunday that I'm being served uh, at Chipotle every time. Just chill out. I, I, I don't even need you to be that fast at Chipotle. Just calm down with the level of animosity you have with picking up the big spoon and putting food into a bowl. Just just calm down. I, I get it that you may hate that shift or you don't like working or what just let's all play pretend for a second. Let's let's you pretend that you're happy to be there and just calmly put the food in. Putting it in angry isn't gonna speed up the process or get you closer to closing time anymore. And I'll pretend that the food is really good, that it's gourmet level. We can both play pretend together. That is my primary complaint. As a burrito bar enthusiast, Chad, the play that you need to make is whenever you order the meat, you you don't say the double meat first. You just say like, hey, I want this. And then you go back and you act like, oh, you know what? I forgot. I actually want to make it double meat and then add the other meat outside. Like uh, like in this case, it could have been chicken at first. And it's like, you know what? I want double meat with steak as well. And then usually you can get a little bit more there. It's a trick of the trade. So the Psychology play by yeah. you. Yeah. If you just say double first, they're going to give you like one and a quarter yeah. serving. They'll, they'll be very... Um, the, they won't be very fruitful with it. We'll put it that way. But, uh, guys, as it relates to my primary complaint, it has to deal with whenever there is road construction that leads to a detour, if you're going to shut down a road for three months, you better do something to the road when you open it back up. I was There's a, a route I take whenever I, I go to the gym every night. And for the past three months, that's been shut down, had to go to a detour, and I was thinking, wow, they – I knew this road, pretty curvy. The asphalt had a lot of potholes in it, so awesome. They're going to be fixing this up. And so then this past week, whenever I got back uh, home, I actually am to Nashville. I'm, I'm making this trip, and I'm like, oh, wow, the signs are all down. This road is open again. I was excited to drive it, seeing, like, what have they done? They didn't do anything. I think this country club just shut down the road so they could do something else on the side, just limiting everybody else from using this road. And the road, if anything, they made it worse. And I, I don't understand why you can shut down the road this long and not improve it one bit. And that is my primary complaint.
you've got a construction delay without the benefit of the construction being complete. Yeah, there's there's no point to it making my ride in, more enjoyable uh, moving forward. That's rough. Whenever there is bad, anything going on bad on the road, like a pothole or something out there, construction, or there's a nail left behind, you know, at a construction, I, I find it every time without fail. And I'm usually going uh, like the fastest over it that, you know, I could possibly do it. And there's no way to avoid it. That's I'm how always, my, my car ended up with in the shop recently. With as much construction around us, I'm surprised that we all don't have flat tires more often. Oh, you know? when you go to the tire place too, that they, like I always talk to them, is this a common problem? And they'll always give you, especially if you go to a similar place in a certain neighborhood, they'll say, yep, because of this, 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 and this construction project. Yeah. They it, can point to the construction projects and no, causing the nails in the tires to get tires replaced. And this, I always, I, I don't believe them half the time. But sorry, you're, this cannot be plugged. You'll need a new tire. It's your sidewall. No, I'm looking at it. It's not in the No, it's, it's punctured the sidewall. You're going to need a new tire. We can't just plug this for yeah. 30 bucks. The, the, the diameter of which you could actually plug the tires about a half a centimeter wide to people that work at the tire place. Yeah. If you hit it right in the right spot, they might plug that tire for you. The rest of the tire, the entire body <laughs> of the tire right here, as you see, Mr. Hutton, we, there's no way we could just plug this for $30 or for free. We're going to have to put a whole new tire on it because of where this is right now and the proximity to the wheel well and everything else. <laughs> this is what's going to get you. It's complete BS. David, the other thing, too, is the detour signs are not – they're not up ahead soon enough. Like, yep. it's right on top of where you're supposed to turn. Now, that was a great one for this one. And this was I – mean, there was probably about six or seven turns that were added because of the detour. Yeah. It's, it's not good. Technology. Let's use it better. Signs. We're not at all. Let's all be honest. more of them. Oh, yeah, we're all Amish The there. Amish had it right. One, one man will be blamed in Indy. That's next.